You are now tuned in to the Addicted to Success.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next level game changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on Addicted to Success.com. Now, I know if you tune into this episode, you love motivation and success, so I have to recommend that you go check out Fearless Motivation on iTunes and Spotify. These guys are pumping out some of the best motivational music right now, and they have the number two album on iTunes USA under the fitness and workout motivation category and several number one tracks in the inspirational spoken word genre. So you can download the Fearless Motivation tracks and album on iTunes, uh, Amazon MP3, and Google Play, or you can stream on Spotify and Apple Music. Get inspired and take action now. Head on over to fearlessmotivation.com forward slash A2S for a special free download for A2S listeners. Now let's get into this episode with Lisa Nichols. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I'm your host, Joel Brown, and today we have my one and only homie, Lisa Nichols. She's one of the world's most requested motivational speakers and coaches. Uh, she is an author of seven books and also the founder of Motivating the Masses. Lisa, thank you for joining us on the Addicted to Success podcast. Oh, I'm so excited to be with you. I was looking forward to this time together. We had a great time the last time we were together, so uh-huh. I was looking forward to this. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. You know, one thing I wanna say about you, Lisa, is uh, when I talk with you, you're, you're so present, like you, you're looking right in my eyes and you just make me feel like comfortable to be around you. And um, I, I feel, feel like it's really an art. It's a skill to really like be present with people in a world of uh, oversaturation of information and so many distractions. Uh, it's, right. it's so like, it's so valuable and so um, necessary to be, to be present. So thank you for that. And another thing as well is every time I see you on stage, you are so freaking electric. You just like, you move me. You absolutely move me. I know. And like motivating the masses. I mean, come on. Like that's exactly what you do. So uh, you're living and breathing through your your brand. And I know so many people that have, uh, their lives have been transformed because of you. So yeah, I, uh, I thought I'd edify you and share uh, with my audience, you know, how amazing you really are before we get into this. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, I, um, I named my company in 19... 19- like 1994, when I had no idea how the divine, how God would use me. I just knew what I wanted to do. So the name didn't come out of what would be a good catchy name. The name came out of my soul on what if I could spend the rest of my life doing exactly what I believe breath was put in my body to do what would that do and i was standing with my girlfriend in the business office where you name businesses and we have no idea no idea how to do this we like put our money to we put our money together to buy the license like it was like 150 dollars or something and we're like adding our money together and i remember she says well what do you want to do i said i want to inspire people she goes which kind of people i said every kind of people she said where i said everywhere she was like well that sounds like the masses I was like, okay. She was like, well, what about if you say, what about if you call it motivating the mass? I was like, that sounds like what I want to do. Like there was no mastermind think tank, you know, it was just really two young girls 
asking what do I want to spend the rest of my life doing so it came from the most so now when I look at the name I kind of laugh because now I've touched the masses and I was like I remember standing in that office in East LA you know <laughs> wondering so, you know and that's what this conversation is about today and and to your point about being present I, I'm present for you because there was a time in my life when I just wanted people to see me mm. not see what they thought they were seeing, but to really see me, see my, see my heart, see my soul, you know, see beyond the, the color of my skin, see behind, beyond my gender, see beyond my limiting beliefs even, see beyond my past, and just see me, see my soul and be with me. So I give to you, Joe, the gift that I want people to give to me, which is whenever I'm with you, I see you. And, 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 I, and you, you want me pausing everything and just seeing you like I think the gift of intimacy and I say that in the most healthy way the agape love way the gift of intimacy the touch of a hand the look in the eye the hug the embrace the presence man I'll take that all day long over those material gifts all day long yeah, yeah, wonderful, wonderful. You know, Lisa, I remember uh, we were on set of uh, Rise Up, the movie, right? And you had just yeah. done your part. You were sitting in your chair and like you, you moved the room, you know, the, the camera crew was there and I was there. I was like, wow, like everyone was feeling emotional. You were like, you had the tears coming out. You had to get the tissues now and then for the break. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I, I came up to you and I said, you know, um, I love that part where you said that, you know, everything is imperfect and that's perfectly fine like that everything is imperfect it's just the way life is and you asked me like why did that resonate with you and i said oh because i feel like i was asked to be in this movie and i, I just thought like you know tony robbins and jack canfield and lisa nichols and all these amazing people and like how, you know how, how did i get here and you you grabbed my hand and you put your hand on my uh, other shoulder right on my shoulder and you stared me in the eyes and you said joel i know how you feel when i was asked to be on the secret Many years ago, I thought this exact same thing. I thought, you know, Jack Canfield and Bob Proctor and Michael Bernard Beckwith. And you said, this is the thing. It resonated most with people, my part, because I was just Lisa from South Central LA. <laughs> I had my down, down and outs, my ups and downs, and you were real, right? And you're like, just go in there and be Joel Brown from Perth, Western Australia, <laughs> and just be you. Yeah. And you're like, you know, Tony Robbins is gonna be in there and he's gonna set the bar really high, but, you just be Joel and go in there and do do your thing, and I did. You know, I, oh, after after Tony Robbins, you. yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. So, right. and it was crazy. It's like I know this. You know, it's like I speak about this. I coach people on this, but it was just so so awesome to have you in that moment. Just say that to me because it like really grounded me. Um, and that's the power yeah. of like words and being present. So, yeah. Once again, thank you. That's that's amazing. That's well, that's how amazing pleasure. Lisa is. Yeah. So Lisa, let's get into the whole abundance thing because you just uh, launched your book Abundance Now and yeah. it's doing really well. I know a number of people that, have, that are going on about it saying it's an amazing book. It's shifted their mindset. So tell me, how do you believe that you came from living on food stamps with like $11 something in your bank account to now being in the top 1% of income earners in America? Like how did this all happen? If you well, you know, a, in I a nutshell. Yeah, I wrote the book Abundance Now because um, it, it was really my journey and the things that I had to do to go from being on government's assistance to running a multi-million dollar business, but not not just the things I had to do with my hands and 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 and, and plan and strategize. 
It was the mindset that I had to give myself permission to have mm-hmm. that I realized and in abundance. Now I talk a lot about how your next season is determined by what you're thinking right now. Like you want to know what you'll be doing in 30 days or in three years. What are you thinking right now? And so abundance now was my journey from having $11.42 in the bank um, to really looking at my life as being unrecognizable today, like unrecognizable. I was a C student in school, meaning that I was very average. And in some cases, I was a D student and a failing student. I struggled through school. I just didn't learn fast. And so um, by no one's standards, I should be where I am right now. I was just on the phone with my brother this morning and my brother says, Lisa, you have no idea how many people from our old neighborhood call me because they can't get a hold of you and they just want to talk about you and how you're the big victory out of the neighborhood. And I I often look back, Joel, and I go, what was that? Because I wasn't an extraordinary kid. I, I was an ordinary kid like everyone else. And so in the book, I talk about the, I talk about the distinction, but the difference between abundant thinkers and average thinkers. Because what I had to go do, Joel, was find out what are abundant thinkers thinking? Because I wanted to think like them. I wanted to do what they were doing. And so I ex- I just exposed some of, the, some of the mindsets and habits of abundant thinkers. And if you adopt a habit, you will adopt and create the result that that habit brings about. So you want to change your life? Adopt enough new habits. We, we're trying to have a new life having old habits and it's just, you're not going to create a new opportunity. So if I can, may I share with you just a tip? Like I have probably about 45 to 50 abundant thinker techniques and thoughts in the book. I would say at least 50. I want to share with you maybe five or six. Is that okay? Go ahead. I, we, we love this. The addicted to success audience loves like the tips and the lists and the, the yeah, practical oh my steps. God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and when you can bring them in at 18, 19, 25, 30, if you can bring them in by the time you're like 35, 36, and you live the rest of your life inside that mindset, like it's not too late at 25. It's definitely not too late at 35. Like you're like you you literally you literally are standing in your best season in that time. And so I love the fact that I can give it to someone and they can operate it right around the time I did. I start bringing it in right around 33 was when I really like got on it, like I got on it. At 27, I was still trying to figure out my mojo, figure out, you know, what's my thing? Who's Lisa in the world? I was trying to still be who I thought other people thought I should be. And right around 28, I started going, okay, I think think I'm figuring out Lisa. Right around 32, I was like, okay, I know who I am now. Now let me see what all I can do in the world. And that's when I start really pulling in the abundant thinkers. So number one, Abundant thinkers um, don't step in and out of their comfort zone. So abundant thinkers don't think about stepping out of their comfort zone. And I'm going to call comfort zone limit line. So people normally step out of their comfort zone and then they step back in. They step out, they do a big event and they step in. They step out, they do rise up and then they step back in. That's That's an average thinker. Abundant thinkers they call it their limit line and they don't step in and out of their limit line, Joe. They make a point on a daily basis to just move their limit line. Yeah. And so, so there are things that still scare us, 
But the things that scared you three years ago don't scare you today. And the next time you're asked to do a major movie, which you're going to be asked to do, it's not going to be as scary as it was to even think about doing Rise Up because you've already been in it with Tony Robbins and Jack Canfield and Michael Beckwith and all the other amazing people who got to be in it with you because you're constantly moving your limit line. And so find what find the edge of your comfort zone. And every day when you get up, start there. Don't start at the center. Start at the edge. Yes. So I play today, and the things I do, Joe, they make my knees knock, and they make my teeth chatter. I promise you. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm, and my, my, my mistakes are six-figure mistakes these days. Like they're just, they're not they're not my wow. my, my thirty thousand dollar mistakes anymore. <laughs> these are these are my three hundred thousand dollar mistakes. Yeah. So, but but it's because my limit line is broader. So that's number one. So I, I, I'm gonna I get excited about this stuff. I'm on fire about it. You know because my life wasn't supposed to look this way by many people's standards. I, I was I was on government assistance in 1994 when I named my company. I I, I was I, I couldn't feed my son and I look up today and I I live the life of my dreams and beyond. And so I I ask myself the question. And people ask me, how did you do it? I was interviewed 155 times in five months when my book came out, when my, when my previous book came out. And everyone asked me the same question. How did you do it? How did you do it? And, and so in abundance now, the book, I just literally said, if y'all want to know how I really did it, this is what I did. And so I get excited about it. I'll keep talking. You can shut me up at any time and ask a question. And I'll give you another another abundant thinkers tool. So make sure if you're listening, get your pen out, have your, I know this is being recorded, but get your pen out because you want to make sure you get the nuggets because I changed my life doing one thing at a time. I didn't do mm. a thousand things because I couldn't contain that, but I would do one thing until I mastered it. Then I do the next thing until I mastered it. I didn't do it until I was good at it. I did it until I mastered it. And I, I changed my life one nugget at a time. So I'm going to make sure I'm going to drop a few more nuggets before we before we finish this interview. Amen to that. Yeah, Lisa, it's all about mastery. Stop dabbling, right? Stop fiddling. Like, yeah. get, go all in. Squeeze yeah, the play juice full out. out. Like, play full out. Jump in or go home. Like, play full out. Like, it's like we're holding back. Kind of like, okay, I'm going to jump in a little bit. Uh, like, you look like you're about to jump into a double dutch game. Like, I'm going <laughs> to jump in. I'm going to wait till things get right. I'm going to wait till everything is perfect. No, jump in in your imperfection. And that's what I was saying. In the, your imperfection is somebody's blessing. Your 70% is somebody's blessing. Your 70% is someone else's 159%. So I, I tell people like, I've, I've, by the grace of God, I'm so excited. I've been able to touch and inspire millions while I'm figuring out how to get it right. Well, we're just improvising, right. right? We're just just making it up as yeah. we go along, and we're like, "Does this feel right? Does this feel like fun? Is this, you know, is this gonna bring something to the world?" Yeah, for sure. I, I love that you said, like, live. It's like living an edgeless life. Like there are no edges. It's just it's there. Like yeah. you just keep pushing and pushing. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so and much. And it doesn't Evan. mean, and it doesn't mean, don't feel the fear. It doesn't mean you got to be fearless. See, people think they wait until they're fearless to make a move. No, I'm just going to say hold fear in one hand and passion in the other hand and yeah. jump yeah. like 
Don't wait until the fear dissipates. You wouldn't know Lisa Nichols if I waited till the fear dissipated. Lisa Nichols would be the secret. I, I wouldn't be in the secret. I would be the secret. <laughs> so hope, you know, hold fear in one hand and hold courage and passion in another and jump and be willing to fall because another abundant thinker's um, mindset, and you want to write this down, those of you who are listening, abundant thinkers fail. We fail. We give ourselves permission to fail. See, some people will never jump because you don't want to fail. You're so afraid of what others will think about you. Heck, I don't care what people think about me. That's not my business. Your job is to play full out. But when we, we give ourselves permission to fail, when you give yourself permission to fail, Joel, you really actually give yourself permission to fly. Because when you stand on the edge, you will only jump if you're willing to fail, but if you're not willing to fail, you're not intending on failing. You're not planning on failing. You're just okay. You're so passionate about that thing that if this don't work, okay, whatever, I'll do something else. When you give yourself permission for it not to work, even though you've done everything you could for it to work, that's when you'll jump off the ledge. Otherwise, you'll stand on the edge of the ledge and you keep looking around, you'll feel the wind on your face, but you're so committed to not failing that you'll never leap. So two things about failure, abundant thinkers give themselves permission to fail. And the second thing, whenever we fail, cause oh, we fail. The difference between me and most people who are living an average life is simply that I failed more than they have. I failed more than they have. Mm -hmm. But when we fail, when an abundant thinker fa fails, we fail forward. So abundant thinkers fail forward. They don't just fail. They fell forward and how that looks. So you understand what that means. As I ask myself three questions, three questions. What are two things? Well, two questions with three answers. What are two things that I did right? See, abundant thinkers also celebrate even in the failure. We celebrate our effort. We celebrate our lessons learned. We don't keep the boxing gloves on, beating ourselves up morning, noon, and night. So I, I ask myself, what are the two things that I learned from this lesson? And what's the one thing that I can improve upon? And if I have a list of four things I can improve upon, then I need to have a list of eight things that I did well. What I did well has to double what I can improve upon. Mm -hmm. And then you take that information and you let that information feed your future. That's what you want to make sure you capture. If you're listening, take that information and let it feed your future. So every situation, Joel, is feeding the next opportunity. So you naturally have to become a better man. You naturally have to become a better woman in relationships. If you're in the, another relationship having the same problems, you didn't let the last relationship feed this one because it should have told you something. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> relationship expert Lisa Nichols here right now. <laughs> now this is I life. This is life. Right? Are, but yeah, absolutely. You yeah. know, and it's understanding it's understanding what needlepoint moves mean. What I will say about us is that we've gotten impatient. We think that our life and our success should be Google download. You can't Google download life and success. You Google download Yelp. You Google download the directions to the restaurant. You Google download you know, a, a company you want to look up or an outfit you want to buy. But you don't Google download resiliency. You don't Google download determination. You don't do Google download heart. You got to go through something. And as you're going through it, you determine who am I going to be in this moment? And that is how you get 
determination and perseverance and conviction. It's the moments that grind you. It's the moments that make you want to and make you want to, you know, what my brother say, go local on somebody. It's when <laughs> it's when someone does something and you choose to breathe. So, you know, it's those kind of lessons and, and being aware at all times that you're getting them. Being aware at all times that you you have an every moment is giving you an opportunity to be a better you. Yes. Every moment. Yes. That, ah, that's such a great point, Lisa. You know, uh, I remember reading somewhere they did this study on um, optimistic people and uh, realists and pessimistic people. And they discovered that optimistic people failed like five times more than pessimistic, but they achieved yeah. way more. The pessimistic people, the realists will just sit around thinking, should we do this? Should we do it? They're like getting ready to get ready or they're judging everything instead of just giving it a go. And it, this, right. this comes down to like, life is freaking short. It's really short. Like just think back to like only five or 10 years ago where you were and like how, how fast it's just going, especially when, right. you're, when right. you're out there hustling, when you're really on the grind and when you're really, you, right. you just told me before you do like 20 or 30 something speeches in the space of 45 days. I mean, that's freaking insane. Like you probably never thought you'd be doing that, but you're playing at such a high level now. And so people that are uh, achieving success right now, they're, they're seeing this too. Why would you not just fail fast, fail hard and just run into it? Like right. just right. 110, right? Listen, right? <laughs> listen, listen, for years I was ignorance on fire. <laughs> like, and I was fine with that. I got a lot accomplished being ignorance on fire because the key word is not ignorance. The key word is on fire. I was yeah. like, literally, literally, I could, I, I, I made a point to do whatever I did full on, full steam. And people began to adopt me. Very wise, older women, older men began to adopt me and teach me because of my fire. Fire, your passion is contagious. Your conviction is convincing. Your passion is contagious and your, and your conviction is convincing. You will enroll people who didn't believe. And it's not your job to convert people and make them believe. It's your job to believe. It's your job to be on pack, to be on fire. It's your job to have your conviction. And as you are around others, that conviction will, will roll onto them. That passion will, will begin to inspire them. And then you'll begin to attract like-minded people. Like those of you who are watching us right now, you're attracted to this energy because this energy literally is a mirror image of what you have. It's a mirror energy of what you possess. So when you begin to attract people, you only attract them when you're alive and playing full out and jumping off the ledge and taking some risk and you know living inside your heart making decisions with your mind but living inside your heart so the third thing abundant thinkers don't spend dollar time on penny tasks yeah abundant thinkers spend dollar time on dollar tasks and i don't say that to minimize a penny task that's an important task it's just not the best task for you to be spending your energy on and so uh, there's a there's a guideline in my company that every single person from the receptionist to my CFO, to my sales rep, to my customer service rep, everyone is, is our goal is to spend our time doing the highest revenue generating activity. Here's the key piece that only you can do the highest revenue generating activity that only you can do. So I write 
I do Excel spreadsheet pretty well. I do PowerPoint well. I create great flyers. I do great marketing. But none of those things are the highest revenue generating activity that only I could do. The activity that only I could do is being here with you. Content provision, writing the book, you know, making Abundance Now the bestseller that it was the day before it was released. That was the best thing I could do. And so that's point three is to spend your dollar time on dollar tasks. Don't spend dollar time on penny tasks, meaning stay in your lane. Do what you do well. Do what you do exceptionally well and grow that part of your business. Grow that part of your life. And then hire other people who are passionate and much better at those other tasks. And you don't have to hire them as employees. You put them on as an independent contractor just for a project. And that keeps you in your lane. Like, this is your lane, Joel. This is yeah. what you should spend the majority of your time doing. Everything else, though you're good at it, everything else is a penny task for you. Yeah, yeah. That's such a great point, Lisa. You know what? Uh, one mistake that I was making over and over again was hiring people that were just like me. <laughs> because I'm like, oh, this guy is really cool. This guy, you know, oh, wow, this this chick, like, she gets it. She gets me. She, right. like, she has the right. same drive. It's, no. Right. No. And work. you should have <laughs> been just having a drink with them. You should have just caught a movie with them. You should have just collaborated with them on another project and not try to make them some, you know, put them in a role that they weren't a fit for. Yeah. That was, I spent $222,000 hiring incorrectly. Oh. So I'm a master. I'm a master at uh, hiring incorrectly. So that made me really good at learn, learning how to hire. Another point that I want to bring up about abundant thinkers, and, and this is in the book as well. And I, I, I share stories in the book about myself that I haven't shared. Um, I haven't even shared on stage. And I'm pretty transparent, as you know. Yeah. But I had to get ready to share some of these stories. And I talk about my money blueprint. And I talk about how I had to change my money blueprint. And so I'm, I think page 227, I start this very deep conversation. And um, I talk about how we all have a money blueprint that comes from the house you were raised in. How did they relate to money? Because that's, that's an unconscious reaction to money that you will have. Not that you're going to react to money the same way. You just have to be aware of it. Your culture, the, 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 the culture that you were raised in, not necessarily... Um, your race, but the culture you were raised in, the environment, how did we see money? Is money the root of all evil or is the love of money or is money the, the, the access to all prosperity or is money the thing that divided you and your family? And then there's a gender relationship to money. You and I, Joe, have a different relationship to money because I'm a woman and you're a man. As a woman, I'm taught, no, no, service first and just don't worry about money. Just get a good man who makes money, you know? And as a man, you're given the pressure of how much you make and what are you driving and what, how big are your toys? And that's what measures. And so you have to fight out of that mindset and push against that and understand that there's more value than those things. And then I have to push out of the mindset as a woman and say, wait a minute, I have the right to be in the top 1% income earners and I'm still feminine and I'm still a woman. And so we have a gender blueprint. So there's a gender blueprint that you have. There's a culture blueprint that you have, money blueprint that you have. And then there's a spiritual money blueprint that you have, Joel. And that spiritual money blueprint is whatever religion you were raised in, it, it, that, that's back here. And you have to make sure that if it serves you, great, bring it to the forefront. But if it doesn't serve you, 
say, you know what, that that mindset I've 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 grown out of. And so mm. I talk about how abundant thinkers are aware of their relationship to money. Because I grew up in a low income community. I grew up, you know, living from paycheck to paycheck with my mom. So when I got to the point where my company was making not it was it made nine hundred and seventy five thousand dollars by October, I slowed down. I took the rest of the year off. This was years ago. I took the rest of the year off from October to December. I took off and I thought I took off because I was tired. Well, the next year I had earned by August $985,000 by August and I wanted to take the rest of the year off again. And then I realized, Joel, that it wasn't the fact that I was tired. It was the fact that I wasn't comfortable being an African-American woman from South Central Los Angeles raised a, a, a Christian, a Baptist. I wasn't comfortable in all of my money blueprint. I wasn't comfortable making a million dollars in one year. Yeah. And so I want to invite those of you who are listening to make sure that you're looking at your money blueprint and where your thoughts come from and your belief system around money. And if you've outgrown it, say, thank you so much, blueprint. You got me to this point and I've outgrown you. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. So important, Lisa, you know, a number of my students that I work with, we really go deep on their beliefs. So to yes. me, when you say this, when you when you say that you were um, brought up uh, Baptist, right, that maybe when you were younger, you were around something at church where it was like, maybe there was conversation of like money is, isn't everything or <laughs> maybe some people around you were like, you know, that you looked up to, maybe they didn't have much money. And you thought that that was like the way to go. Oh my God. Oh, you just named it. It was sister Brown. We called her sister Brown. Sister Brown. And she was the most, godly, yeah. she was the most godly woman I've ever seen. She was an angel on earth, an angel on earth. And sister Brown would say, baby, you don't need much to get to heaven. You don't need much to get to God. And I tell you, wow. she said it all the time. And so I understood I didn't need much and that worked well for me. But when I start having much, I begin to think I was less godly. I was less spiritual. I was less giving. I was less serving. And so I really, Joel, you just hit the nail on the head. That was my biggest hurdle to overcome, to sit in this seat right here and have this. You hit the nail on the head. Sister Brown. And I loved her. And I had to give myself permission to be a divine being on this planet, doing God's work, having showing the divinity in me and living abundantly, which is why I wrote the book Abundance Now, because my spirituality is unquestionable. My service is unquestionable. My commitment to God is unquestionable. My commitment to family and culture and ethics and character is unquestionable. And I can do more good in the world because I run a multi-million dollar business now. And I want to make that okay. I want to make the whole life okay. I want to make relationship and finances. I want to make serving the world and having prosperity. I want to blend it all together and make it all not okay, but necessary. Because I believe good people like you should do very, very well. Because when good people like you and like each person watching this podcast, when each when good people do well, good people do more good in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Lisa. I was reading a book the other day and 
this guy was saying, he's like, why are we all going for like what we think? We, it's like the million dollars or the car or the building the business and that. What do you actually want? And so people say these things, but really what they want is the emotion that they get from it. And so it's like, what is yep. the emotion that you want? And most people would say happiness. They want to be happy, right? Yeah. And so it's like, totally. okay, what, why wouldn't you go further than happiness? It's like, what is happy? What is further than happiness? What's further than happiness is holiness. Holiness mm. is serving. And when mm. you're serving, mm. happiness comes with that anyway. Mm. <laughs> Right. Mm, I gotta tell you, you saying some yummy stuff, brother. When, <laughs> when, 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 when you can, and this is, I, I, I know this from experience. When I'm in service, I'm at my highest level of divinity. Yes. When I'm in service, when I'm in contribution, and I gotta tell you, contribution from a grand stand, standard or contribution from the simplest phase when I'm sitting with someone and I'm and I'm being with them. When I, I tell people, I served my way to a million dollar, multi-million dollar company. I served my way. I served my way one person at a time. I didn't bottom line revenue generation it. I served my way. I asked my, my company, our model in our company is we have a yes, yes mentality. We don't ask if, we ask how. And when you live a life of, I'm not gonna ask if I can do it, I'm gonna ask how can I do it? It's just a shift. It's a shift from, and this is another, this is, this is another game changer when you stop asking for permission to be able to serve the world in a big way. See, we walk through life and we don't physically ask like, hey, Joel, can I be great? Hey, mom, can I do this? Hey, we don't ask like that, but we tiptoe and we go in and out like, can I do that? Do you, how, what will they think of me? When you stop asking the world for permission mm. to serve big, to love big, to love hard, to play big, to dance in public, to hug, to kiss your friend on the lips if you choose to. When you stop asking permission to, to be you, to be brilliant, like we're, we're so nervous at times for the world to really know our real brilliance, to know our real passion, to know how dynamic we really can be. But when you stop asking for permission, that's when it was a game changer for me. And you start telling the world, listen, I got a secret for you. I'm pretty brilliant and I, I have a, I have passion that would probably scare you, but I, I'm not going to keep wondering if you can handle me. I'm just going to do me. I'm going to do me and I'm going to, instead of asking for permission, I'm going to give the world notice. Imagine if every single person looking at this video right now begin to live like you're giving notice to the world. You, you begin to wear your passion on the outside of you. You like put it on in the morning like lotion. You like put your conviction on like you oiling your body. Like you put on that suntan screen. You put your, you put your love on. When we wear it like that. I like the hair on the back of my neck. Look, I don't have a lot of hair, but the hair on the back of my neck starts to stand up. I'm going to tell you, when you live like that, Joe, when you begin to live like that, people watch you and they want to be around you. They want to be like you. They want to follow you. They want to do what you do. I mean, like you stop following someone else's path. You forgot that you can't, you were born with a machete in your hand. Not to follow someone else's path, but to cut your own path. Like, what's 
my path. Like every single one of us was born with a machete in yes. our hand. Yes. Quit taking that road that that quit taking that road that that dude already made. Take make your road, and then someone's gonna come behind you and watch you because you cutting and you making the path, and they're gonna see you doing, it and they're gonna realize, hey, wait a minute, I got a machete in my hand too, and that's what you did. That that's what we did that day. We were in the hallway. We were in the hallway when we. I just recorded Rise Up, and you were talking about um, being nervous. I just I just reminded you. Look down. You got a machete in your hand, mm. and you were like, "Oh yeah," <laughs> you know. And all of a sudden, you land you landed back in your own skin. You yes. know. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. Yeah, you know, I think people admire courage, right? So it's like, get your own, get your own courage. It's right there. It's already there for you, right? Uh, one of my students uh, last week was kind of getting ready, get ready and all this and that. And I just said, you know what? You're sitting here right now asking me for a permission slip. Write your own freaking right. permission slip. Right. And, I, and I'm right. like, you have every day we have a choice. We get to choose how we live our life. Right. We get to choose where we live emotionally. Like choose. Yeah. Just make a choice. Right. Make a decision. And recognize and recognize that where you are today, and this is going to be stealing for someone, it's going to be sobering for someone. But you know, Joel, you know, when you get when you ask interview me, I'm gonna give it to you straight, no chaser. I love the yeah. truth, and sometimes the truth isn't served with warm cookies and milk. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the truth stings, and you have to recognize that your life right now today is a culmination of every choice that you've made. Your finances are a culmination of all your choices. Your love life is a culmination of all of your choices. Your health and wellness is a culmination of all your choices. Your feeling connect, your level of connectivity or your level of loneliness is a culmination of all your choices. And so to the, your point, Joe, all you have to do is make the choice that's going to give you the life that you choose like literally own your life everything you choose is creating an experience in your life and guess what you can literally project the experience you're gonna have by the choices you make yeah. like I when, when I get older and I'm nowhere near that yet darling but <laughs> when I get older when I get older, I want to say I danced until my knees couldn't take it anymore I laughed until my belly ached I love deep and I loved hard and I loved passionate. And every time I loved, I loved like I was, I'd never been hurt before. See, I didn't bring my hurt, my previous hurt into my next opportunity. I love like I had never been betrayed. I love like I'd never been hurt. I played full out. I recognized that money wasn't the end all. Money is a tool and a team member. Money just gives me access to better memories. Ooh, wait a minute, somebody need to get that, I'm gonna say it again. Money just gives me access to better memories. It's not about the money, it's about the memories that my money buys. Wow, 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 last wow. Year, last year, I was surfing on the Gold Coast of Australia with my son <laughs> for his 21st birthday. Last year, my son and I jumped out of a plane on the Gold Coast of Australia because he wanted to jump out of a plane. Last year, we went to a stunt academy in Brisbane, and we learned how to do stunts, and I was one of Charlie's Angels, and my son was the villain because I always wanted to be a Charlie's Angel. All my money did was buy some great memories for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's powerful stuff, powerful stuff. So let go of those limiting beliefs around money. Why would you want, why do we choose to uh, find meanings in things that don't serve us? I, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. So, so Lisa, I, go ahead, go ahead. 
I, I, I was just going to add to that. My meaning is in my, my, the quality of my relationships. Like that's, yeah. that's my me- That's where all my meaning lives. All my meaning lives. Everything else simply supports the environment so the relationship can feel great. But everything, when you're on your transition bed, you're on your, in your last days, years, 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 60, 70 years from now, you're not going to measure how much money you made. You're not going to measure how many meetings you had, how many speaking engagements, how many books you wrote. You're going to say, did I say I love you enough? Did I say I forgive you soon enough? Did I apologize quick enough? Did I love deep enough? That's, it, it will all come back to your relationships. So sorry, you were saying something. I just wanted to agree with you. This is so crazy because my next question that was here in my head was, you know, as we get closer <laughs> to the grave, what is that one thing you feel people focus on and why? And you just, you you just dropped it. <laughs> yeah, I was really going to say that. <laughs> we're connected, brother. We're connected. We're connected. It's going to be my relationships. Like, like I traveled, last year I traveled 321 days on the road. I just got home four, day, four days ago from Australia. Like I just got back from Australia. I just, then I, I was home 48 hours and left and went to Cincinnati. I got home yesterday morning. I played this weekend. Today I go out to dinner with my dad and then he takes me to my surprise birthday party that I know about that he's throwing for me. <laughs> and, and then tomorrow I do a birthday bike ride with my little sister who's 18 years younger than me. She's about your age my niece and my big brother. We go, we go for a birthday bike ride and then I have dinner with my grandmother. Then I come home and within 12 hours of being home, I leave to go to Greece. So some people would say, I shouldn't be doing all these leisurely things because I, I should be resting. But I, I, wanna, I wanna make sure that I'm investing in my relationships. That yes, I will sit at dinner with my dad working to make sure my eyes stay open. Yes, I will go to the party tonight when I really could stay at home and get some rest, but I'd rather be with the people I love and the people that love me. I'd rather invest. Your relationship is like a bank account. You got to make investments in it to make withdrawals out. You have to make investments in. You got to put a deposit in. And so I'm clear. I am very clear what what they will say about me at my funeral. I'm very clear. I know it sounds dismal, but listen, the most responsible thing you can do, hear me when I say this, I'm just a little bit older than you. Hear me when I say this, the most responsible thing you can do right now is manage the story that will be told about you when you transition. Whatever you want to be said about you, whatever you want to be said about you, you want to live that life right now. Don't assume you got time to become that person. And let me tell you what jolted me into that, Joel. I was reading Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I was 24 and a half. I was 24 and a half. I'm reading this book. I'm in Spokane, Washington on a business trip. And, and Stephen Covey says, imagine yourself at your own funeral. And there are four people that's going to speak at your funeral. A friend, a family member. Uh, someone from your work world and someone from your community. What will they say about you? He said, he asked me in his book, what kind of friend were you? What kind of sister were you? What kind of daughter were you? What kind of neighbor were you? Can I tell you that scared the bejeebies out of me because (laughs) at that time I'm 24 and a half. I'm thinking I got all the time in the world and I, I was nice, but I wasn't writing my legacy yet. I wasn't writing my legacy yet. 
And so from that day forward, I kid you not, from that day forward, I said, I'm writing the story. I'm living and writing the story that I want to be told about me. So I'm not asking to go tonight, God. I'm, I want to be here a lot longer. But if, if, and I want you to hear me, if by some way, some reason, I leave here today and you don't see me tomorrow and my life is done in this form, Joel, I spent my day. I spent my month. I spent every hour doing the thing and being the woman that I want to be remembered for. Now, right now, and what I did in Australia, what I'm gonna do today with my dad, like I'm, I'm writing my legacy by the way I choose to live. And I'm not perfect, but I do know the story that will be told about me. I do know what will be posted about me on Facebook. I do know what they'll say about me at events because I'm, I was responsible enough to not dream about it anymore, to not get ready for it anymore. I was responsible enough to, in my imperfection, live it. And that's, that's all I'm challenging. If you can hear my voice and see my face, and witness my tears. I'm challenging you to just do the very best version of you. Don't give us 70%. Give me 159% just in case I never cross your path again. Yes, yes, yes. Powerful. Lisa, wow. Wow. I can see the tears rolling down your face too. You mean it. That's passion. That's liquid, liquid passion. Liquid passion. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow yeah you know um th that's abundance right there like what you're saying is yeah, abundance. It's, it's like it's like punch fear in the face right i uh <laughs> i tell people all the time i'm like fear is it, you look it's like a traffic light it, it doesn't mean green it doesn't mean red it means orange it's like you could either stop or you could keep going and um yeah. you you're just like you're so unreasonable in your approach you just like you don't you don't take no for an answer you just go right. whichever whatever way and which whichever right. way you have to to make it happen so yeah i applaud you and, for and, that. I, and i and i i think thank you thank you for that acknowledgement thank you i i believe that when you become non-negotiable what you see is i'm non-negotiable about this i'm very flexible i tell people i live parked between fluid and flexible when it comes to people. I live parked between fluid and flexible when it comes to understanding how people operate. I am one of the most fluid people I know because I've learned how if I can have compassion for you, if I can have understanding for you, my life is better when I'm in your space. <laughs> it's just, it's not about, it's, it's not all about me, it's about you. It's about seeing how can I ebb and flow with you? How can I expand and contract so that you can be you in my space? So I live between fluid and flexible when it comes to being with people, but I'm non-negotiable. I'm non-negotiable about serving. I'm non-negotiable about living my dreams. I'm non, I, and you can kind of tell, you can feel my energy shift, don't you, Joe? I turn I to a whole other, like <laughs> I go, I'm fluid and flexible when it comes to people, but I'm non-negotiable <laughs> about, I, I, you see a little bit of that black woman coming out, right? It's like, I'm non-negotiable when it comes to playing full out. And I'm gonna tell you why because I had to stand in line to get food stamps to feed my son 21 years ago. Because I had to wrap my son Jelani in a towel 
because I didn't have pampers for two days. Wow. I had to wrap them in a towel. I had to eat beanies and weenies six days a week. So I don't choose to be non-negotiable just because life is great up here on this mountaintop. I choose to be non-negotiable because being non-negotiable got me from there to here. And if it can get me from there to here, I want to know what from here to there looks like. And I know that when you when you swipe every other option off the table, but that thing you said you were going to do, see, because a lot of times, and some of you listening to me now, you can't hit your goal because you got too many what ifs. See, when you have enough what ifs, it's like you're trying to blow a balloon up, but you poked a hole in the side of the balloon and you keep blowing, but air keeps leaking out. That's your what if it don't work. What if they don't like me? What if I got to do it over? Well, every time you say what if, you poke a little pinhole in your balloon that you're trying to blow up. Take every what if off the table. And when you become non-negotiable, this is going to happen. Absolutely. I'm not taking any other. I, I might have to. I might get knocked down 15 times. I might get knocked down 1,500 times, but I'm going to get up one more time than I've been knocked down. When you come at it like that, Joel, then whatever's around the corner that's waiting on you, because there's always an issue. There's always a crisis. There's always something. You can't live a Christless, uh, Christless life. You're just going to have a crisis. But when you become non-negotiable, you're no longer worried about that crisis. That crisis is now worried about you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> because you're not yeah. close. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you gotta get gangster you, with it. You are you, you gotta be a gladiator. Got, <laughs> listen, listen, there was this guy on Facebook the other day. He had this t-shirt on, said he he commented on my Facebook. His his, his t-shirt said spiritual gangster. Uh, I replied back, I'm gonna need that t-shirt, thank you. <laughs> I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna need that t-shirt. Thank you. I am spiritual gangster, they, right? They and sell so, them. Yeah, they got, sell them all in the yoga shops all over LA. So I'm sure okay, you'll find one. Okay, so when you see one, you got to get one for me. You got to right. you got to pick one up for your girl. You got to pick one up for your homie. Pick one up for your homie. So l let me just say, I what I recognized was when I became non-negotiable, Joel, I began to attract non-negotiable people, and so. The fourth thing, I, I've given you a, a number of nuggets about uh, from the book Abundance Now about abundant thinkers. The, the, the fourth or fifth or sixth, who knows what number this is, is to hang around people that make you stand on your tippy toes. Hang out with people that inspire you to tippy toe. What I mean by that is you want to be around game changers who make you stand on your tippy toes to kind of even keep up with, they get, with, with their game. Like They make you... They make you kind of do this. And that's what happened to you and Rise Up. Like, like you, you hung around people that made you bring your best game. Like, you're not going to take a nap oh, yeah. before you do your interview because the environment. And that's healthy. I hang around people. I go to an event twice a year for five days that everyone there, they're amazing thought leaders of the planet. And they make me stand on my tippy toes. Vision Vision hangs around those same people. He asked me to help him get in. I asked someone else to help me get in. I mean, it's that that place where game changers go. And literally the first five times I was at their events, I would just sit quietly because I, I didn't know what to say because they're all so brilliant. And you want to hang around people who inspire you to stand on your tippy toes. If you're the best game in town, 
you need to move to another town. If you're the be if you're the smartest person in your circle, don't li leave that circle. Just adopt a new circle. So you have two circles. You have one circle that you're leading and one circle that you're following. Does that make sense? Makes a ton of sense. Yeah, it's like Michael Jordan. You know, he would only practice with the best of it. Like whoever was the best dribbler, whoever was the best defender, like they're the people he would train with, people that would uh, challenge him to raise the bar, raise his standards so that he could receive a better outcome. So Yes, and if, and if Michael Jordan did it, you know, it's over, game over, game <laughs> over. And, and you know, in this, in this season, what I realize, I have a lot of students, um, people like you who are playing big in the world that I've begun to teach how to just up-level your game 360. And I realized that in this season of my life, I, I was Michael Jordan for years. I was just Michael Jordan, just mastering my game. Just I, I want to I wanna be a six-time. I want to have six rings. I want to have six you know, world championships. <laughs> and I realized in this season that I'm Phil Jackson. And Phil Jackson is not Michael Jordan, but Phil Jackson was Michael Jordan's coach. And Phil Jackson got 11 rings. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and so... Abundant thinkers also know when they're and, and I want you to understand these three seasons because you're in you're in one of them and you'll know it when I say it. There's a season for learning. There's a season for earning. Then there's a season where you're responsible for teaching and sharing what you've learned and earned. Uh, there's a season for learning and know what season you're in. There's a season for earning. And then there's a season for sharing and teaching what you've learned and earned. And it's not measured by age. It's not measured by age. It's measured by accomplishment. So you may find yourself blending in several seasons. So right now you're, you're learning, you're earning, and you're sharing what you've learned and earned. But your primary season, I would say, is that you're an open sponge to learn. You just have the benefit of earning while you're learning. And so if you know this is my season where I'm opened up the most for learning, Right now, I'm in the season primarily where I'm just moving into sharing what I've learned and earned. And how I know that, it's not based on age. How I know that is that more and more people are asking me to stop keynote speaking and teach them how to speak. Stop coaching and teach them how to coach. Stop you know, building a multi-million dollar business and teach them how to do one. So your tribe will tell you what season you're in. And when you're building your empire, your financial empire, that's your season of earning and understanding where you are. And I knew that I was in my learning and earning season for 26, 27 years. And I'm still earning, but I'm, I'm earning and sharing. Does that make sense? I'm not learning and earning, I'm earning and sharing what I've learned and earned. When you understand that, then you become a consummate student. And then you also go, become a consummate hunter. And then you become a consummate server. Yes, yes. And when you're sharing as well, just to add to that, you're growing even more. It's oh. like, it's like um, oh. I, I, I shot a video last week out here in Santa Barbara and um, I, I was basically just saying, don't pick up another book or listen to another podcast or watch another video until you understand the three levels of learning, which is like, first one is learning itself. It's learning. Then the second one is cognitively understanding and teaching. And the third one is applying, which is wisdom, which is the ultimate form right. of of learning, right? And so many people are just, they're, they're, it's just knowledge, 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 knowledge. It's like, right. they, grab, they call it they're, shelf they're, they're, help. They're information, <laughs> they're information junkies. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah if, you wanna, if you wanna harness the abundance mindset, wisdom, go for wisdom, really apply it. Absolutely. And, and this is the thing too, it's like creating new reference points in your life, right? Like going and experiencing things and experimenting and connecting with people and people that, like you said, getting into mastermind groups where these people are playing a level that you never thought you could play at. 
But they're probably right. sitting there thinking, you're playing a level that they can't play. It's just everyone's on different right. kind of levels. Right. They're going in different right. directions. Right, right, right. right. Work right. It you out. always yeah. bring something to every, you always bring something to every community you're a part of. And another thing for abundant thinkers, I want to give you one more point for abundant thinkers. Um, abundant thinkers recognize that they're leaders and they never stop being leaders. Yeah. They don't they don't just lead when it's convenient. They don't lead when it's beneficial. They don't just lead when it's popular. Abundant thinkers just lead. So when you're unpopular, when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you're lonely, you never sit down the mantle called a leader. And you know, and you may not be leading a company or you may not be leading, a, a, you know, um, you know, 83 million people like you. You may not be doing that. You may not be leading 1.5 million. You may be leading the people who chose to listen to your words, who chose to like your post, who chose to. But you recognize and you're responsible with your leadership. You use your words. You understand the influence. There are many things I want to say. Hmm, that I don't say because I'm responsible with the with the with my leadership. There are many times that I don't want to get up, I don't want to do something, and I do it because I know that when I lead, it will inspire others to keep going. That leadership, leadership has less to do with you. It, to be a, a true leader, you have to completely be willing to lead from behind. You have to completely be willing to to take yourself out of the equation. Leaders understand that there's a responsibility on your life. And when you look at your life, there's a responsibility on your life. There's, there's over a million people saying, inspire me. When, and, and there are days when you don't feel like getting in front of a video camera. There are days you don't feel like doing it. And you understand on those days, my responsibility as a leader doesn't always lean to my convenience. So leaders understand that they lead even when, when it's inconvenient. That's the line. Leaders lead even when it's, when it's inconvenient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree 100%. It's courage. It's going first. It's having a strong enough vision that feeds your faith. And also a lot of people, they, they like sit around going, I'm going through this pain. It's like, yeah, you got pain, but you get to choose whether you suffer. Like I have yes. days where I feel like... Yeah. I feel like I'm not yes. on point or whatever, but it doesn't matter. Like you get yes. up and they're, they're the days that shape you even more than the days where you feel exactly. good and you go and do it. Yeah. yeah. I love what you just said, a vision that's strong enough to feed your faith. And then if you let those dance together and have enough faith, feed your vision, have vision. enough faith yeah. to chase your vision, even when there's no physical evidence that it's showing up. Come on, listen, to have enough faith <laughs> to hold on to your vision when nothing in your physical realm agrees with your vision. Your faith will still keep you going. Your faith is that thing that says, I know, like I know, like I know. I'm not asking for physical evidence. I got soulful evidence. I got evidence right here in my solar plex. And my faith will fuel my vision and my vision will feed my faith. When you understand that, you will stop looking for validation from other people because you woke up validated. I tell everyone, when I wake up, I like myself first so that I don't care how many people like me on Facebook. I liked myself first. I was the first one to like what I thought. I was the first one to like what I was wearing. I was the first one to like what I believed that day. And every other like on Facebook, that's bonus. But my like was the first like. When you can wake up and like you, like your thoughts, like your mindset, like where you are today, even on your way to somewhere better, can you like where you are today? See, 
I always tell people, can you like you before somebody else likes your post? Can you like you? If you can like you first, then we're going to chase your like. But uh, so many people are looking for likes on Facebook because you're not liking yourself yet. Like you and then you'll magnet and be an attraction for everyone else's like. Anyway, I get a look. Oh, Lisa, I love it. No, honestly, I'm, I'm sitting here feeling energized by the energy you're outputting. It's it's crazy. I can feel it. I'm all the way out here in Santa Barbara. You're in LA. I'm just, I'm feeling it, right? Um, That's crazy. Wow, wow, wow. The transference of emotion, right? How incredible is that? Yes. You can move people. Like, yes. You can motivate the masses. Yes. There you go. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and energy transfers, en energy transcends distance, energy transcends culture, energy transcends religion, energy transcends faith, energy transcends money and economics, energy, great energy, man, I, I all day long, every day, all day, every day, I want to get some great energy from anybody. You can come to me. I don't care where, what color you are, what religion you come from. I love great energy. And you know, one of the things people talk say about my brand is my brand really is one of the most diverse brands, meaning people from all over the world. I'm on my way to Hungary. I just got back from Slovenia. I spent time in Kiev and Kazakhstan and South Africa and Taipei. And who would have thought? Who would have thought this little girl from South Central LA who never got above a C in, in high school, who would have thought? But let me tell you why. Because good energy, love, love, like the way you opened up and acknowledged me that I see you, that love, that goes through YouTube. So if you're doing videos and you're doing things, you, there's no technique to get people in. See them. Love them. Love them through the lens. Yeah. Like, I love you. I love you. And, and what you felt that day when I put my hand on your shoulder, what you felt that day when I wrapped my arm, you felt genuine agape love. No expectations. I just want to love you. I want to have this moment with you. When we become more generous with our love versus trying to hold it back, hold off on it. Don't make me pay for someone else's betrayal. Don't make our experience pay because someone else was out of integrity with you. You, ha We have this moment, Joel. I'm going to love you. I'm going to love everyone that watches this video. I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you the way I want to be loved by you. I'm going to risk. I'm going to put it all out there and I'm going to expect it's going to come back in some form or fashion. It may not come back from the person that I give it to. Let me say this. You may love somebody. And the love may not come back from them. But when you put out love, it's boomerang. It's on its way back to you. I love boomerang all day long. I'm going to love, love, love out so that I can create this tsunami of love coming back to me. And when you, when you walk like that and you talk like that and you get a new friend like that and you open up like that and you play full out like that and you're not holding back. Man, every day you on your tippy toes, every day you got goosebumps, every day you got this energy, every day. We're mighty, we're mighty bold and arrogant to, to think we got tomorrow. I'm assuming I have tomorrow, but I'm a love heart today. I'm a love heart today like today is the last day. And then tomorrow when it comes, I'm a love heart tomorrow <laughs> like it's the last day it comes. And man... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Lo love is a beautiful boomerang. I love that. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know what's crazy, Lisa? I was going through this uh, really str uh, struggling moment in my life. I was facing adversity and 
uh, you know, I, I was questioning a few things and I was, you know, my mom just said, don't forget who you are. Don't forget what you do and, and you know, why you're here. And she said to me this one thing, it really just resonated so deep. And she said, if they don't remember you for, if they only remember you for one thing, let them remember you for your love. I was yes. like, wow. mama, yeah. mama's <laughs> words, mama's yeah. words, Mom, right on point. Like, like with all the things people will write about me, I want them to write that she emanated the physical form of love. Yeah. Like she, she represented love walking, love talking. She represented non-negotiable. She represented, like, when I look at what I want my life to say, she represented um, no lines, no color lines, no religious lines, no economic lines. Like, I, I, like that's important for me. Like, and, 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 I, and I keep going back to that because I want, I want you, everyone watching us, I want you to walk away with what do I want, what does abundance look like to me? What's my form of abundance? Define abundance. One, another point, abundant thinkers define their own abundance. De abundant thinkers define their own form of abundance. When we finish this interview, I'm hanging out with my son and, um, and we're going to the mall and we're going to, he's going to, we're riding in his car. Like his car is very different than my car. And, and, and it's a different experience when my 21 year old drives, but I want to, I want to sit in his passenger seat. Cause that's abundance for me and define abundance for yourself. What does abundance look like for you? How, how does it, how does it show up in your bank account? How does it show up in your love relationships? How does it show up in your health? Abundant health is just as important as abundant wealth. How does it show up in your spirituality? Um, d d abundance can only be defined by you, for you, with you, about you. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and when you, when you begin to define it, you'll, You'll understand it and you won't miss it because there's so many abundant experiences that you've already had that you missed because you didn't de you didn't clearly define what abundance looks like to you, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. And so as an abundant thinker, you know, as an abundant thinker, you recognize that abundance isn't unilateral. Abundance isn't about just money and possessions. Abundance has four categories. It's finances, spirituality, health and wellness, and relationships. And when you look at all those areas, and you can break those areas down into smaller subgroups, which I do in the book, but those four areas, mind, mind those four areas. Don't assume and leave any one of those areas uh, un. Unaddressed, un, un assuming that it's going to take care of itself because if it's important enough to you, nurture that, nurture it. And, and I say that from my own mistakes, Joe. I didn't do that all the time. I was chasing it at 28, chasing it at 31, chasing it at 35. And I, I didn't know what you'll know now. The, what I love about being here with you and what I love about the audience and the people and your students that are looking at this video is that I can use my years, my, 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 my steps ahead of you. I'm, I'm 10 to 12 steps ahead of many of you. I can use those steps to turn around and go, wait, here, let me show you, show you how to do it so that you are even more bountiful than I am, that you are even more abundant than I am when you get to this place in your life because you knew what I didn't know. Like that's the best gift I can give you is to say, here's what I don't regret any part of my life. Every part of my life leads me to the Lisa that I am today. And my job is to love, madly love the Lisa that I am today. And I love her. And if I can show you some things, I'd say, look at all four categories. 
Don't just look at one. Look at all four finances, health and wellness, spirituality and relationships and nurture them all for abundance. Yeah. Wow. Lisa. Yeah. You've walked the path before. So many of so many people were standing on the shoulders of giants, right? So many people have done that before. Like, why not learn from them? And it's just amazing. I was speaking with uh, Michael Bernard Beckwith. Uh, I love a, a few days back. Yeah, he was. I interviewed him just before him and Peter Kelly. Like, yeah, we've had we've had a good lineup on oh this my, last oh couple of weeks. <laughs> and uh, and he said the same thing. He just said like he's seen so many people in the space that he's playing in, like with the speakers that are out now, the legacy yeah. leaders, the big guys, big big women as well. Uh, and he said that it's it's so exciting for him to know that like what they're teaching now. He's like. The younger generation, the millennials, and even the younger than the millennials, we're going to learn even more and, and have so much more because we already have like so many amazing examples. So I, I get what you're yeah. saying. It's, it's, I, I just can't wait for the future. I can't wait to get wiser, older. I just can't wait yeah, for like what's yeah. to come. Right? And, and, and we can't wait. And I say we because I, I sit in that seat proudly. We can't wait to watch you be a good steward with what you've learned. Yeah. We can't watch you. We can't wait to watch you transform the planet wow. because you're responsible with the investment that we've made into you because yeah. you're good soil. My grandmother says, find good soil and plant good seeds and you'll grow a great harvest and you are good soil. Beautiful. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Um, where can we pick up your book and where can we reach out to you? How can we get in touch with you or see what you're up to? Um, you can go to my website because I, I, I'd say my website, I give you some free goodies. I love that. You get to you know download a, a free 28-day uh, uh, program where I show up on a video every day for 28 days and just serve you and pour into you. I look different on the video. So when you see the video, that is me. That is me a couple of years ago, uh, much thicker, much bigger. I've shed. I've, there's, there's a lot less of me to love more, um, uh, but that's me. So if you go to my company name, Motivating the Masses, again, that's MotivatingTheMasses.com. You, or you can just look up Lisa Nichols on Google and go to my official website and then just click and register so I can um, just pour into you and serve you and love on you. And if there's any way that, that we can help you, I, I, I operate on a virtual campus and there's any way that we can support you. And, and I, I specialize with people who want to get their lives in order and people who have a message in their belly and they want to get their message out. So personal development and then speakers, authors, trainers, and coaches who have a message in their belly. You know, that's my Phil Jackson time that I'm living in, right? Excellent. So thank you for, I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks Lisa. Yeah, actually a couple of my friends are, are, are mentored by you right now. They're speakers and coaches and they're, they're even starting their own business or in the middle of running their own business. and. Uh, I've heard nothing but great things and also they're getting massive results. So uh, if you're playing at that level and you want to go even higher, join Lisa. Yeah. All right. I appreciate you. Yeah, Lisa. So I'm, I'm going to ask you this question here and this is the last question I ask everybody at the end of every interview. And the question is, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Make it your intention to love the perceivingly unlovable 
Forgive the perceivingly unforgivable. Dance like no one's looking. Love like you've never been hurt. Be unapologetic about your message, your core, and your passion. And live to have no regrets. Like live to have no regrets. Risk it all to gain it all. 